0: Welcome, welcome, and welcome back to Wrestling with My Thoughts, the podcast. This is your host, Bread Like a King, made us Kelvin Kaylee. We are back in action, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, it has been such a joy to come back to this. I am back to the thing I love. Doing dialogue is great, but getting back to my wrestling, these are my roots, this is what makes me happy, I love talking my wrestling, and listen, I have a great show for you guys today, today I will be sitting down with the legend Shane Helms, later on in our show, you will, you get to listen to myself and Shane Helms go over his career, um, but First and foremost, let me get my shout, let me get my shout-outs out the way, guys. Let me shout out Audio Swim. Uh, go to www.audioswim.com today. Premiere Element. These are our sponsors, along with Get The Plugs. Shout out to all those guys. Shout out to my DatFillin family, all the guys on the podcast network. Uh, follow us at and Podcast. If you are listening to this podcast, follow us on IG, at and Podcast, on Twitter, at that P. Man, look, I am just happy. I'm so happy. But listen, we are going to get into this show. Let's get right into it. So we start off our week uh we are going to be covering first off the bat what one of the greatest the most monumental the most domino effect of a storyline ever in the history of pro wrestling without the storyline Multiple things don't happen, right? So, we it is the anniversary of the Montreal Screwjob this week. So, let's dive into that and exactly what happens because of this storyline. So, the still the excuse me, the tale of the storyline goes. Bret Hart was supposed to be leaving WWF at the time WWF it is now WWE for the people who are just now coming back with me welcome Bret Hart was the champion and he held this belt with great pride he didn't want to give this belt up story has it that he wanted to go out on his shield right he wanted to go out as the champion he was at the end of his contract he wanted to uh, he wanted to go out of the WWF the champion. He was going to WCW anyway, but he wanted to leave the champion. This, that's what the historical reference has always been. Um, the reason that Vince wouldn't allow this, you have to go back to Alondra Blaze. Alondra Blaze was the WWF women's champion and she ended up leaving the WWF Right as her contract was up, going to WCW, Eric Bischoff convinced her to come to WCW with the WWF women's title and put it in the trash on live TV. Needless to say, Vince was avoiding this. Heavily, he did not want this to happen again by any means necessary. He wanted that belt off of Bret Hart. So, the Montreal screw job was a way for that to happen. So, the story says, I think there is way much more to the story, in addition to what the Alondra Blaze impact of this happening, um, and more so. That he just didn't want Brett to to win this match. There had to be continuity in in the plans, right? That he has to have a champion. You can't leave the champion, and I need someone to place this on. Henceforth, let's develop a plot. Now, multiple people, if you watch and believe The Dark Side of the Ring, uh, the show that comes on Vice, if you believe any of that information, then there indeed was a plot. I think it was very simple, and Vince didn't want uh, Bret Hart to leave with the WWF Championship. Needless, never, never, nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, the uh, events happened the way they happened. They had very huge consequences. The Attitude Era is almost a direct result of this moment because Vince became a heel. Uh, with the Bret screw Brett promo on uh, USA and if you go back and look at it if you do watch the Dark Side of the Ring Bret Hart explains almost in perfect detail exactly the events as they happened um, and if you look at that promo that Vince cut on Monday Night Raw it is clear that he has a black eye so there's a little bit of validity into the story that Bret Hart pumped out now whether that has ever been confirmed or ever will be confirmed remains to be seen I don't think it I don't think it will be ever confirmed that he actually did punch Vince but if you look at the dark side of the ring um, and you look at the video that they were explaining uh, it is very clear (laughs) it is very clear something happened he walked away from that shit wobbly but the impacts of what happened after the Montreal screw drop. again I, I, I go back to the attitude Era was was uh, almost a direct result of that but more so in that um, there were domino effects that there's a bunch of what-ifs right what if this incident had never taken place what if Bret Hart was allowed to keep his championship. Does he stay in WWF? Does his contract get renewed? Because this incident single-handedly is the reason why he ultimately walked away. If there was any chance for reconciliation, that incident killed it. Shot it in the face, threw it on the ground, shot it again, it killed it, right? So what happens if Bret gets his way? Does a contract get renegotiated? maybe, right, maybe does the storyline get worked into where there's a nice feud between Brett and Sean. Do they ended up, does Brett end up hating Sean, right? And one of the biggest reasons he hates him is because of that event, because he felt like he was lied to, right? What if there was an honorable thing to, you know, go out on the shield on? Do we get Sean Michaels, at the level that he was. Does Stone Cold Steve Austin even happen? Does that even happen if Bret Hart doesn't, doesn't get screwed over in Montreal? Maybe, but maybe that happens way down the line, right? Attitude Era is a very huge part in the success of WWF going up against WCW because their product had to be edgier to compete. With wcw does the montreal screw job change that right because prior to that point they were all superhero or not superhero sorry we have a superhero coming here later but we it's all good guy versus bad guy right um that's the that's the running theme at that time fans were getting tired of it and then stone cold happens does that happen with bret hart right uh, and they ran with this angle for a while, Bret Hart and Stone Cold, right? They did that. But at that level, does that happen, right? Do, what what changes? A lot of dynamics ended up changing because the proper antagonist had now taken its place. Does that happen without Bret Hart being screwed over? That is the effect of the Montreal job. Now... If you're listening to this podcast, feel free to leave me comments on it. Right, go to that fill in on the YouTube because this video will be on YouTube. The full Shane Helms interview. Feel free to comment on it. Will be available on YouTube later today. Comment on it, and with that, let's take a break. This episode is brought to you in part by Audio Swim. Go to audioswim.com today and upload your tracks for as little as $5 a track. Premier Element, UAE. Go to www.premierelement.com and get your representation. They don't do just music. They do sports as well. And also, get the plugs. Go to www.gettheplugs.com. Enter in code INT15 on checkout and you will get a 15% discount. Oh, and you don't have to pay for them up front. They also accept Suzzle. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Wrestling with My Thoughts here on the DFPN. I want to give a really quick shout out again to our sponsors, Premiere Element, Audio Swim, and Get the Plugs. And last segment, we talked about the historical event that was the Montreal Screwjob and how its anniversary was this week, another anniversary of something that we had is of one of my favorite matches ever in the history of wrestling. Um, It's hard for me to say that I'm a fan. And not include this match as the reason that I fell in love with professional wrestling. Um, And even I had been a faithful watcher of wrestling up to this point for years. So I want to dive into everything that made this match fall like just embed itself in my brain. And I am going to talk about none other than Rey Mysterio. Versus or Rey Mysterio Jr. at the time versus Eddie Guerrero at Halloween Havoc. Um, one of the most competitive matches, one of the best stories um, ever I've ever seen told inside of a wrestling ring from two individuals. And Rey Mysterio found himself on my radar that night. Eddie Guerrero, I had always been a fan of his. uh, Just of the high-flying style that he had. But Rey Mysterio is what introduced me to uh, the Cruiserweights and how I started to like the, so to speak, smaller guys. And you'll you'll hear from my guests later on that uh, looks can be deceiving, man. Like, when it comes to... When it comes to the size of these guys, it doesn't do you justice, right? Television doesn't do them justice. I remember uh, meeting certain wrestlers and being shocked at how how tall they were, right? Because TV doesn't do them justice, especially when they're wrestling giants, as you'll hear from my guest Shane Helms later in the show, that he was wrestling a lot of larger people, so he looked small, right? But let's get back to this match. I'm digressing. Uh, this match didn't really have a buildup. It didn't really need a buildup. Now that I look at it, uh, they were actually it did have a buildup. It, it didn't have a, a huge buildup. So it was supposed to be the title versus the mask. And according to Mexican wrestling tradition, the mask is very important um, because it represents their identity, right? The lucha libre is it, it is the identity of the wrestler. It is just as important as an arm or a leg. You lose it, it's like losing yourself, right? So that was the challenge. Rey Mysterio had to win, or he would he would lose his mask, which later on in history proved to be a very horrible idea because he finally lost it, but I'm, I'm going to go back to this match. Uh, the start-off to this match was surprisingly slow for two guys who could move right they gave you the technical aspect of the wrestling a little arm drag here a little headlock here you know keep it keep the crowd okay this is going to be a wrestling match something to convey that this is going to be wrestling you're going to see wrestling and then out of nowhere at the snap of a, a finger like a thanos snap it was just boom let's pick up the gears and they were flying all over the place power bombs and and frankensteiners and off the top ropes out off the top ropes out on the outside uh ray mysterio at one time did a corkscrew frankensteiner from inside the ring outside the ring drug eddie guerrero to about mid aisle and i lost my shit i say this because you have to look at the time period of when this shit happened, right? This is at the height of the NWO. And these two guys, mind you, the, the main event for that match is one of the most talked about matches ever. The main event for that match was Goldberg versus Diamond Dallas Page. And the reason it's talked about is because the feed cut off, right? But that is one. It was a great match for all intents and purposes. But the match that stole that show that night was Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio mask versus title. One of the most technical sound flawless matches that you will ever see and if you have the wwe network you can look at it on i believe on youtube the highlights of it you can look at it and see the story being told and bobby the brain heenan on commentary was just amazing because he was just losing his mind as well dusty Rhodes was on commentary losing his mind at this match Tony Schiavone losing his mind in real time on looking at this match. Please do yourself a favor. Go watch it. YouTube it if you don't have the WWE Network. If you, if you don't, hit me up. I might let you use my password for like 30 minutes, but I'll change it right after that. But, yeah, man. Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Halloween Havoc greatest match ever. Match made me fall in love with wrestling. And with that I am going to take a break and when I come back we will go right into my interview with Shane Helms. Keep it tuned right here on the DFPN for Wrestling With My Thoughts. To hear these episodes completely ad-free, go to www patreoncom slash podcast Subscribe today for as little as $3 and you will get all these episodes ad-free. Again, that's www.patreon.com slash podcast Now enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to the DFPN and Wrestling With My Thoughts. And as promised, here is the interview with myself and the legend, the longest reigning cruiserweight champion in SmackDown history, the former WCW cruiserweight champion, the all-around good guy, Shane Helms. Thank you guys for tuning in to Wrestling With My Thoughts. Enjoy. He is a former WCW Cruiserweight Champion, former WWE Cruiserweight Champion, all around talented guy. In my eyes, this man is a legend. He is a true legend in the sport, uh, has paved the way for the smaller guys, so to speak, in the wrestling business. But this guy is indeed a giant by his works. Joining me now, you may know him as the Hurricane, Sugar Shane Helms. What's up with you, man? Nothing much, man. Nothing much, man.
1: Uh, thanks for having me on your show. Uh, we got a uh, common man, friend, know,
0: I'm, I'm glad uh, <laughs> Emerson could uh, put us together. Man, I appreciate it, man. I really do appreciate you. Thank you for joining. So, first things first, man, you've been doing this for years. I first caught wind of you as part of uh, WCW, uh, a group known by Three Count. So, how how actually did you get started in the wrestling uh when I was thirteen, I got involved with an independent
1: company in North Carolina. So I was involved in high school. I was I was actually uh I skipped senior prom to go do a uh, a pro what? wrestling show. Yeah. Wow. yeah it's, not, it's what I always wanted to do, man. It was my number one dream, you know. And um an independent company came to the town I lived in. I lived in a town called Windale, North Carolina. And I rode my bike a couple miles to the show, hung out till it was over, uh, talked to some people and um, I was just willing to help set up the ring, stuff like that. Just anything I could do to get a little ring time, you know. Because right. I was already in amateur wrestling in high school. Uh, East Wake was the school I went to. Me and Emerson there, and so um, and that's just kind of how it started. There. At 15, I became a referee. Uh you know, little young <laughs> punk, ass, young punk ass. Still in high school <laughs> wrestling at this time too. And at 16, uh, in 1991, I had my first match. Uh, so that was, uh, that might have been my senior year.
0: Um, I graduated in 92. So I guess it was either in between my junior and senior years when I had my first match. Missing senior prom to go do a wrestling match, man. That's, uh, that's passion. That's passion at its highest, bro.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, well, I I went to the senior prom when I was a junior. So I'd already been there. I knew what it was about. So I was like, you know, uh, I'm going to go wrestle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but I was just a referee on that show. But I was going to referee a match with the Rock and Roll Express. And I was Whoa. like, man, I can't go do a oh, show yeah, with you the don't, Rock you and Roll Express. That.
0: Yeah, that's what <laughs> I did. So. You don't miss that. You don't miss that at all. So um, is wrestling, so you wrestled in high school. Yeah. Is that like a common theme in the business? Like guys start out wrestling and it just, it just morphs into that? Or how, how does that play out? Because no, I don't see like not a, really a lot of guys have that background.
1: I, actually, not as many as they should. It should it should be a common theme for a lot of guys. I never saw mm. like a, you know, it's not like the Olympic wrestling comes on TV a lot. You know, you hardly, especially back uh, the years I'm talking about it, I never right. even saw that shit. So when I heard there was a wrestling team and we get to do this wrestling thing, I'm looking for a ring. You know, and they pull out <laughs> this mat and I'm like, what, what is this shit? You know? And i um, but that was something I was just naturally good at. You know, I went to the States my freshman year. It was something I just kind of had a natural affinity for. And um, it just kind of blossomed. But it's my love for pro wrestling started when I was a, mm. just a young kid, because my dad was a big wrestling fan. So I would watch right. wrestling with my dad. Right. And so
0: that's how it this started. Was, this, was, this was in WA days, right?
1: Yeah, by the time you saw me in WCW, which was, uh, I went there at the end of 99. Um, mm-hmm. So I was, I was al- already a pro wrestler at that for eight and a half years. By the time
0: you saw me in WCW. Wow! So who were your uh, who were your biggest influences on your style of wrestling growing up? Um, I tried to kind of combine
1: a lot of things. You know, because I was smaller in the business, I was super small. In ordinary life, I'm six foot. Right now, I'm two twenty. So if you see me in real life, not a small guy. In right. the world of professional wrestling. That is small especially in those days (laughs) um i was looking to what you know the mexican style the japanese style the european style where the people were a little smaller and Mm -hmm. i was trying to bring some of that kind of combine it and that's what people saw in with sugar shane when i was sugar shane and i was doing i would high fly if you needed if we needed to fight i could do that but i was also a very technically oriented wrestler too
0: right so you spoke something really true. Um, TV does not do the size of wrestlers justice at all. It really doesn't, because you said yeah. you're six foot. You're six foot, right? That's yeah. not that's not small by by any means. But standing mm. to to somebody like a like a Scott Hall or a Kevin Nash, that is yeah. that is that. That speaks volumes. Like, and I think the thing that threw me off about it, because I I had this perception mm-hmm. until I met CM Punk for the first right. time. Yeah. CM Punk's about six four, and <laughs> no, He like, he's in he's he's up there. Uh, and, no, he's, he's six one. He's just a barely teeny tiny bit really? taller than me.
1: Yeah, he's not six Really? 20. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he ah. wish he was. He made a lot more money. No, like for me, he might have had on he might have had on lips or something, you know. Uh, for me, everybody thinks I'm smaller because I would wrestle some of the giants, like, right. you know, uh, especially when I got to uh, the cruiserweight division in WCW. You know, I was a lot of guys were kind of my size when I got right. to WWE. Uh, what was F at the time? Now WWE, like my first feud was with Big Show, and Big Show is a legit seven three, um, right? You know, so then I got Kane. Kane's six nine six ten. You know, Mark Henry's just gigantic, JBL, all of these people were
0: huge. Right. And if you
1: don't know how big they are and you see me there, you're like, oh, that guy must be small. Because, right. you know, people right. see things from their uh, their per- perception. And then when right. they meet me in real life, like it happens every, uh, you know, convention <laughs> I do, I hear it all the time like, man, you bigger than I thought. And right. so uh, an- another time that that really happened is when I left WWE in 2010. And so now I'm doing a lot of independent wrestling, a lot of smaller companies around the world, and they all have their cruiserweight champion. And so because I was the longest reigning uh, cruiserweight champion in history, right? Uh, a lot of companies want to put me against their cruiserweight champion, but their cruiserweight champion's like 150 pounds. You're <laughs> right, right. Five seven. Right. And so right. then I walk in and, like, they got all of these ideas about how they're going to wrestle me. And then they say, wait a minute, it changes
0: everything. Yeah, I'm bigger it than your changes- heavyweight <laughs> champion. You know, so, uh, it's like, man, it, uh, yeah, so- it changes everything, which I that's that's a perfect segue, because I wanted to ask, like, you came into WCW kind of in this in the in the window where the cruiserweight division was just off the charts. You had yeah. so many guys. Um what was that atmosphere like back then? Uh well for me that was my uh, that was my break. You know, I mean right. that was the first time
1: getting a uh, you know being on national television on a weekly basis, you know, a big contract where, you know, I mean before that I was working a job in uh Wendell. I was going to college full time, you know, working full time wrestling every weekend that i could you know so you're doing all of those things you know to to try to make it to that level so then i made it to that level and dude i was just happy as a clam like whatever y'all need me to do i will do (laughs) because i i felt i could win them over i'm gonna win them over with my skills with my talent so i'll do some dumb shit if they want me to and three count, you know, three count was not my idea. I didn't grow up uh, Emerson. Emerson, i tell you, I didn't grow up on boy band music. I don't know anything about the Backstreet Boys and That wasn't what I grew up on. That was what they wanted. So that's what we did. And But like I said, I, I did eventually win them over. And I mean, toward the end there, uh, about late 2000, going into 2001, you know, when I won the Cruiserweight Championship. I mean, that whole division was built around me at that point right whose idea was three count actually i actually don't want to ask no jimmy hart jimmy (laughs) hart always loved musical acts jimmy hart can actually
0: really sing you know yeah Um, i didn't find that out until they did legends house that he was actually like a great uh musical guy yeah and there's a couple like
1: hits that he actually had out that had like big time radio play like back in the 60s and i'm not i couldn't tell you what it was but yeah, Jimmy is a super talented guy. He had that idea for that boy band. I mean, he actually thought that we would be fan favorites. We'd be good guys that people would love us. And we were like, I don't know, you know? Because, um, but you know, the head of creative at the time was like, No, I think these guys are going to be heels, and, uh, and and that was the right call. You know, it's one of those deals right. where the girls liked us, but all the guys hated us.
0: Right. And, just but, like yeah, boy I mean, bands in real life, it's yeah, just like yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it's I, that's what I told people. I was like, you know, why so many guys hate the Backstreet Boys? Because the girlfriend loves them. That's why right. they don't hate them because right. they can't sing. Obviously, they can sing. They're selling out tours, and you know, they're on the radio all the time. But obviously, there's a talent. The same thing, same thing with Justin Bieber. Like, if you ask right. people why they hate him, nobody has a real answer. Right? But their answer is because he's cute. You know, if, he, right. if, if, if his ass If he looks like <laughs> <If he> Ed <looked laughs> like Sharon, he's cool. Right. <laughs> yeah,
0: because yeah, yeah. his ass is cute. You gotta hate him a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, man. So three count. Um, you guys had a you guys had a, a nice run though. Um, yeah. being being hills, it was you was Chandler Moore. Who was the third guy? I can't remember who the third guy was. Evan Courageous was his name. Evan Courageous. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's a That's North Carolina a, boy too. Is he? Yeah, yeah, he wrestled at actually he wrestled at NC State. Um, so. Yeah, he had a uh, nice little amateur background, and Evan was shredded. So he had uh, he had a natural heat about him, Like People just hated him because he had all he had like a twelve pack, and so he would go out there and flex them abs and like people. Yeah, I couldn't
0: couldn't remember his name, but I can. I remember like I can remember his face because yeah, he stood out like that guy was shredded. Like he looked like he could go. And um, all three of you guys, you you actually put on clinics anytime you wrestle. And then by the time you held the Cruiserweight Championship, you were you were holding your own against against a lot of top guys. So when when WCW folded, what was the immediate plan? Did you did you think like. This was it or did you have a shot at going to WWE? Uh, Well, you know, when Shane McMahon came to that last Nitro with WCW,
1: Shane McMahon came and, you know, they kind of told us like, hey, we got plans for WCW, this isn't the end. But there was a lot of people there in that room that knew they were done, you know. And there was a lot of us, myself included, that didn't really know what that meant. Uh, So on that final Nitro, Monday Night Nitro, I'm going in the Cruiserweight Champion. I'm like, if I can leave this night with this championship, you know, because I don't even know <laughs> I'm if I'm there. wrestling, I don't even know if I'm wrestling yet, you know, or who. I don't know right. who I'm wrestling, if anybody I was like, if I can get out of here with this championship tonight, they're going to at least bring the champions up, you know? Right. And so uh, I had a match with Chavo Guerrero that night and I was victorious and uh, a couple, you know, week later, two weeks later, whenever, uh, uh, they gave me a call and it's like, yeah, we're picking up the contract. and." Um, a lot of the other cruiserweights had to relocate to Cincinnati because they weren't going to be brought up to TV. Uh, they were going to mm. go to a developmental program, and I'm so damn fortunate I didn't have to do that. Cause <laughs> you might not have ever saw me as Hurricane if that were um, you know. So, uh, but luckily, yeah, I came and I uh, came right in, and I was rolling because we did the WCW versus WWF uh, invasion angle, and you know that happened for a little bit, and. It wasn't long before you know the hurricane idea came about, and and they gave me that ball just like three count. I was like, I'll, I'll do whatever y'all need, you know, just just let me do my thing. And you made that work, dude. I don't think anybody else could have made could have made that work. Um, I don't think anybody else could have, but definitely for as long as I did. Right, you know, for as long definitely. as you
0: did. Yeah, there might have been a
1: couple people that
0: could have had some good moments, but. <laughs> You know, yeah, I that that, make people believe in that shit. That was tough. Yeah, um, people believed in it. Trust me, that was. Uh, if I if I go back and look at it, I'll get to what what my most memorable part of it was later. But wow. um, <laughs> but yeah, that I don't think anybody else could have made that work. What was your influence behind that, or what what drove that? Because uh, because I would wear comic book shirts all the time. You know, I, was,
1: I wasn't. And like, this is back when, this is before all the Marvel movies. You know, this is, right. now everybody's a superhero fan. There wasn't a lot of us back then, you know, but I wore, I always liked comics. I always read them and I didn't care that people knew. I was never one of those guys that, I needed other people to like something for me to like. It. If right. I liked it. I liked it. And that's how right. it works. You know,
0: like I well, grew yeah, up back a little back Then you couldn't just be a comic book fan. It was yeah, like, no. it was the equivalent of being a nerd. Now it's yeah. cool. Yeah, Now <laughs> it's cool. But back then it was just for nerds. But I didn't care
1: because the people called me a nerd. All right. Well, let's lock up and I'll dump you on your head. So we'll right. see how that goes. <laughs> you know, and I was a little white guy that loved uh, hip hop. So I had to deal with that too, but I was just a guy, like I said, if I liked it, I liked it. And if you didn't like it, hey, that's 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 your business. Right. You know, so I would wear comic book shirts all the time. I had a, a tattoo of the Green Lantern symbol on my shoulder. Well, I mean, I still have it. Uh, one of the head writers there, uh, Brian Gerwitz. And this is the guy that he wrote for The Rock. He wrote for Kurt Angle. He wrote for mm-hmm. a lot of stars. You know, this is guy kind of just had his head in pop culture and he kind of always wanted to do a superhero type character but well, then i come along and the uh, invasion thing uh, with wcw guys it was it was okay but of course it wasn't as great as it could have been they wanted to do something with me different and so they pitched that idea to me about being the superhero they pitched it to me and it was only going to be a couple months like that was the whole thing <laughs> stephanie Steph mcmahon was like yeah we'll try it out for a couple months you know uh, she, knows she goes a few weeks A couple months at the most was her exact words. And I was like, "All right, whatever y'all need. And it all came off of because I was doing, I did a backstage uh, skit with Stone Cold, Steve Austin. Mm -hmm. Which I'm sure you guys know. And like, the promos aren't as scripted as people think they are. Especially back then.
0: Back then, right. right.
1: Yeah, I I was like, uh, you know, Vince McMahon was the producer of the segment and he's like, you know, you go in and uh, Steve will talk to you about your tattoo and uh, you know, you guys just have a little back and forth and And then you leave, and I was just like, "Well, all right, you know." And I'm nervous as shit now. Steve is the most. (laughs) Steve's one of the most, the biggest stars in the business. You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there going, "Man, this is my first like backstage pre-tape in WWF," and it's like the Steve Austin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you're nervous. You're you're nervous. Of course, yeah, yeah,
1: dude. Dude, I I lost what a little bit of ten. I thought I had. I was so damn nervous. <laughs> and like I said, I don't know what I'm gonna say because I don't know what he's gonna say. He's Steve Austin. Right. He can say whatever he wants. I just gotta get. It's gonna be. This.
0: It's gonna be over
1: too. It's gonna so. be great. I just have to not fuck up. That's my <laughs> mindset. I just gotta not fuck up. And so anyway, he asked me about the tattoo, the Green Lantern. And like at that time, or at least around that time, the Green Lantern had this heel turn in the comics, right? Where he was a bad guy. And right. there, was, there was this book where Superman came in and you saw this green hand come and drop Superman. So when he asked me about the Green Lantern, I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, he knocked Superman out one punch, bam." And I, I don't know why the fuck I said it like that. I don't know why I started talking about the Green Lantern like it was a real person, but I did. And like I say, I'm just trying to be entertaining here. And then Steve Austin's wife at the time, she started laughing, so Steve looks at her and she looks at me and I'm, you know, we just kind of go back and forth and it, it just works so well. And like they had this vegetable tray and shit and I had to pick one up and Steve was like, well, I have a tomato then. And I'm like, you know, whatever. And it was just crazy <laughs> as shit. And so and Vince had no idea what the Green Lantern was, right? And so like the week after, I, I, I heard this story years later. Austin liked me. Austin liked me right away. And so like the next week, you know, and this was, uh, I found out this year's later, Vince is talking to one of the head writers. He goes, now watch this Green Lantern thing. And Austin happened to be walking by at that at exact moment. And Austin like, it's the goddamn Green Lantern. And then he just kept <laughs> right on going. And Vince goes, okay, go with it. So, uh, it was crazy shit. Like that's how crazy shit in the entertainment industry happened. And so a couple weeks, uh, the weeks that went by after that, they would come to me and, like, I would be talking about whatever, and they go, hey, uh, we want you to, you know, kind of mention your match tonight, but just kind of start talking about, like, a comic book story with the Green Lantern or something. So they were kind of just filling it out to see what I would do, what I would come up. And I was like, you know, uh, tonight Kurt Angle is in the ring with uh, whatever, Booker T. I don't mean, I can't remember exactly the details. And then i will go, and that reminds me of the time. And again, I don't know why I was using that voice. Like, no superheroes talk like that. You've seen Superman, man, Nobody, I don't even know why I was doing that shit. You know, and then dude, like, what's up with that? And like, people would laugh, and it just kind of snowballed. And then, like I said, next thing you know, I did that for a couple weeks. The next thing you know, here comes Stephanie. He goes, yeah, we thinking about making you a superhero. And uh, she goes, yeah, with a whole cape and mask and everything. What do you think about that? Because she wanted my feedback, and I was like, you remember Sugar Shane? I just wore the little wrestling trunks. I was like, well, I'm, I'm basically out there in my underwear now. So whatever y'all want to do, right. you know, I said, right. I'm game. When they first bought me that outfit, the first outfit they bought me was trash, and they just bland, nothing to what it. It, like, it was just solid black. It was just here, solid black. It had a gold H that was like italicized, right? Just slightly italicized <laughs> on my chest, and it was a hurricane symbol like this right on my butt that looked like a bullseye. Like put your foot here, you know, some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they brought me a, a Lone Ranger mask, and uh I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but this is one of my favorite Vince uh, stories. Like, I never really had a creative discussion with Vince at this point. You know, everything mm-hmm. I had was with the writers or Stephanie. So they brought right. me this Lone Ranger mask, and I'm like, this shit looks like trash. It's a Lone Ranger mask like you get from Party City, like oh, that thing, ninety nine cent, little straight yeah, around it. Yeah, so I'm sitting there going, man, this is going to be terrible. I knew for me to make this work, I was going to have to to commit to it. So from the time they told me about it, I had maybe a week, maybe two weeks to wrap my head around this. I'm trying to figure this shit out. How am I going to make this work? Nobody's done anything like this. And when I got that mask, like that was, that was a little disheartening because I'm like, man, do they, you know, are they not invested in it? Cause the outfit, I mean, they did whip it up pretty quick. Actually, it was only a week. It was a week that I had to prepare. So they whipped that outfit up in a week, and I get it. Okay, in a week, that's all you can get. But right. I was thinking about that mask, and I said, like, "Man, I got to even talk to Vince about this." <laughs> and like I said, my ass nervous. You know, I'm just starting. Here I am complaining already. I didn't want him to think that. You know, so I got to tell him and I'm. I said, "Yeah," I said, "Uh." Uh, Mr. McMahon, Mr. McMahon, please, cancer I was like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so I was like, I don't think this mask is gonna work. And he thought I was complaining that I didn't want to do it. That's why he right. thought, he right. goes, what, do you, what you You don't want to wear a mask? And I go, no. I said, I don't want to wear this mask. It's like this thing's gonna fall off, and it's gonna look like I don't care, like I'm not committed. Right. And then he realized what I was saying. He goes, okay. He goes, what about makeup? And this one this is my favorite, best part. And I go, like the road warriors? He goes, like the ultimate warrior. And I'm going, <laughs> what the fuck's the difference? But you know, I'm like, okay, like ultimate warrior then. And I was like, do you have somebody here that can do that? And he goes, yeah, the makeup lady. Go to the makeup lady, Jan, you tell her uh, some kind of superhero mask on your face. And I go, okay, so I got to go find this lady and uh, <laughs> you know, we do the makeup. And on TV, it looked great. Because at TV, she would do it. But at the non-televised events, which were Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Right. I would have to do that shit myself, and it would look like a child did
0: it, <laughs> and it would
1: look terrible. But I went uh, you know, instantly to like uh, some of the seamstresses that would make the outfits, and I was coming up with ideas. I need to, I need this outfit to be better. I need, I got to get out of this. But I also uh, started making plans to get a mask made because um, I knew I needed to get out that makeup. And you can see the evolution of the outfit throughout the years it would gradually get cooler, you know, a uh, little brighter, a little flashier. You know, I got that leather mask, which, you know, added the cooler element to it. Because I was walking a thin line with that with that gimmick because it was it was comical. But then at the same time, when the match starts, I got to go out there and be serious. And be you got
0: to perform. Yeah, you got to perform it. So you
1: walk in a thin line there between Batman and Doink the Clown. You know, so <laughs> like, you don't want to be too goofy. But All at right. the same time, I can't go out there and act like I'm too serious because I'm still in a cape and a mask. Now, did that add a level of pressure? Oh yeah. You? My challenges were different because I had to I had to be funny at some point. Most mm-hmm. guys don't have to be funny. And most of them will try and fail. And that's the worst thing ever is when you try to tell a joke and it's not funny. It ain't, you know, it you ain't getting nowhere. Yeah. That's the worst, that's the worst. So I would have to be funny. Then, like when the when the bad guys beat me down, I gotta get that sympathy. I gotta make you care about me too. Right. Then, when it's my turn to start kicking ass, I gotta make you believe that I can actually win this match. You know, so I would have to take people through all of these range of emotions. And most people really just didn't have to do that. Didn't have to. Like just being a wrestler is the easiest thing in the world for me. Sugar Shane was easy when I did that heel run as Gregory Helms, and I was the longest reigning cruiserweight champion in history. That was a wrestler. That was easy. I could wrestle in my sleep. But to be a character and to make people love you, that's a different thing. And that's challenging, especially yeah. after the Attitude Era. Like, if you're just a good guy, there's a reason Batman is more popular than Superman. If you're just that white meat uh, baby face and white meat means you know, white cowboy hat. You're, right. If you're that guy and you don't have that edge,
0: that's hard in today's environment. And it is, it is. Man. You got to have that yeah. age. So yeah, that that and that environment in WWE at the time was, it wasn't the Attitude Area environment, but it was still a highly competitive environment. Yeah, and it was right on the tail of the Attitude Area. And here's something right. too. When you
1: brought in the WCW guys, you had the most stacked roster of all time. Yes, When I'm one. there, in that era where I'm doing the Hurricane and the rise of the Hurricane, dude, you got rock. You got Austin, you got Hulk Hogan, you got the NWO, <laughs> you got Ric Flair, you got yep. Kurt Angle, Triple yeah, H, H- t-
0: I mean, you I, Goldberg, you, you got The hurricane was taken off like right as those guys' contracts were over and they were coming back in. So, yeah, yeah. You, you still have that. Uh, Goldberg was there. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Every,
1: everybody, man. So, like, that roster competing with that, like, that's the TV time I'm competing for it as against right. those guys. And then right. that's not even talking about the tag teams. The tag teams at the time, Edge and Christian, the Hardy Boys, oh, yeah. the dozen, yeah, you know, the Acolytes. You, it was the most stacked roster that has ever existed. And right. There's never going to be another roster like that. I don't know how there could be. I don't, I don't think there will be. I don't think no. there will be. Every show Um, back then was an all-star show. Every single show.
0: Yes, definitely. Definitely. So what was Mm -hmm. the decision uh, to pair you with Rosie? Rest in peace to Rosie, too. What was Um, the decision to pair you
1: with? Well, they liked Maddie. Uh, This is his his real name, Maddie, And he had separated from his tag team partner, who went on to become Omaga. So they liked Rosie, and they wanted to separate him from Um Omaga in terms of presentation. The idea they got from Lost, there was a TV show called Lost. Do you ever see that? Yes. Okay, you remember Big Hurley?
0: It yes. was like Hurley
1: and Charlie. That's what we right. were making off for. That's kind of where the idea came from. And so around mm-hmm. this time, uh, Monday Night Raw had moved from the USA Network to Spike TV. This was when Spike TV was the network for men. And it was going to be new and edgy. And it was going to push the envelope on everything. I forgot about that. So <laughs> I forgot. I was that. going to be the superhero in training. Shit, I was going to train him, and <laughs> the joke was just to get the hurricane to say "Holy shit!" Once we get to spike, Spike really doesn't want us to say "Holy shit!" every week, and so now I'm kind of stuck. Wow. Now I got a 400-pound Samoan as my tag team partner, <laughs> but the thing is, I loved him as a human being, and we uh, we designed his outfit and. That was one of those things too, was just like, we worked so hard to make that gimmick go. Cause I think that was just, hey, let's just see if this worked. And if it does, cool. We're not really going to do a lot with it. But it just got over and over and over. And like when me and him became the world tag team champions, that's actually my favorite championship win of my career was with him.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: Cause it was supposed to happen. Like when I was the cruiserweight champion, I was the best cruiserweight in the world at that time. That's supposed to happen. You're supposed to be the champion. when they made us a tag team, we were like, man, we don't know what we're going to do. And we just worked so hard. And we, we got over. We're selling more merchandise than any of the other tag teams. We're getting better reaction than any of the other tag teams. And it's like, but we just didn't know. Uh, are we ever going to be the champions? You know, Are they going right. to you know, push that button for us? And we, weren't, we, we knew we deserved it. And the locker room did, too. The, the locker room. Uh, so that's, yeah. when it, that's when it's we- special. Yeah. And so yeah. we, when, we when won, won those it,
0: when you get yeah. it, yeah. That's, so when we that's won dope. those
1: titles, we came through, through the back, and there's a stand,
0: the whole locker room is there waiting for us. You know, uh, that's when that's, that's when you
1: get those really special moments.
0: That was your that was your best that was your favorite title run.
1: With yeah, you know, Kobe? I mean, everybody, of course, I think associates the cruiserweight championship with me because um, it was it's still SmackDown's longest title run. Of any yep. champ- of all the championships, yep. Uh, the longest uh, championship run in that division, so that's what everybody associates it with. But like I said, and that, that might have been my best body of work, Gregory Helms, that heel champion. But just the from an emotional standpoint, me and Rosie, we were never supposed to be the champions, right? You know, but you made it. You made but it. We made it work and made it happen, and just just, just
0: holds a lot of special, you know, special place in my heart uh one of the most i don't even was this actually a feud because it started with this how was that backstage segment with the rock like yeah people like uh it's called a mini feud but at the same (laughs) time i
1: always question i was like but people remember that mini feud more than they remember most of the other major feuds (laughs) right right right. so and that's what you want to do what you want to do in any entertainment is you want to create memories that people remember like there's certain songs that you remember where you were the first time you heard there's certain right. movies that they you know they connected with you and you remember how you felt the first time you saw it, you know and that's what you want to do in any form of entertainment well the thing with me and rock was only going to be that first night in Toronto we were there was a backstage skit that we did together and then there was a battle royal later that night when we ended up hooking up uh, you know trading punches but it was that was going to be it that's all that was on the books uh, from a creative standpoint but that first skit we did was so funny and one take just him going back me going back us reacting off each other just the chemistry like when we, we <laughs> was unscripted. done I huh this was unscripted right uh there was some ad lib to it i think we had we kind of knew some things like mm-hmm. i didn't know some of the shit he was going to say against me i just knew that's the rock he's going to throw some insults my way I, right. I you you have to know that Right. And be prepared to, yeah, you don't have to know exactly what he's going to say. But you know he's going to zing your ass because he's so good. Yeah, he's going to throw one at him. And, um, and so I remember when I was done, you know, uh, like that was earlier in the show, like the first hour, and I met, uh, the Battle Royal was going to be at the main event, I believe, the show, if I got my details correct. But I remember when I was done with that skit, I'm going to go to the locker room and kind of rest, start to kind of warm up for the match. Right. And like, I got stopped by everybody. They're <laughs> like, dude. <laughs> that like and sometimes when you're doing something in that moment, you don't you like I say again, same thing with Steve Austin. I'm just hoping I don't fuck up. <laughs>
0: right? You, know, <laughs> you, know, I just mean, you knock it out the park. Yeah, no, just that's the there thing. Was, that's there's the- a particular comment in there. Like, I, I for years I've wondered this. I was like, did, was that scripted? Did he mean? Because he called you the hamburger. Oh was yeah, like, yeah. That was Did it. that just come out, or was did you know that was coming or no? I don't
1: remember if I knew that was coming or not, but I knew. It was fucking funny, and I had to do this thing like, like this, and like what I did was I bit my hand, and that was something I would do as the hurricane. So I would bite my hand to not laugh, and I think I did it in this. I know I've done it a couple times on TV. There's a few people that will pick up on like, like that, and they think it's me intentionally being funny, but I'll bite my hand to keep myself from laughing. Some people bite the inside of their mouth; they'll bite their tongue, like they're trying not to laugh. That's a little insider uh T V trip for any of you people Listen, Ah but, uh, nice I was like, Yeah, you know, you got the mash, you got the H on your chest, yeah, you're the hamburger. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's one of those things like when you get roasted and you
0: just gotta take it. Like, yeah, you gotta you gotta eat that one. I don't I, like, I don't know I was like if he had that known that was coming because if that were me, I probably would have I probably would have busted out laughing live on TV. Because that you can't. You're, that you're, one would have caught me you're, off guard. You're a professional. You're, <laughs> you know, but, but like I say,
1: like I was walking uh down the hallway and I'm just stopped by everybody and they're like, dude, that's that's one of the best things I've ever seen. Like, man, that was so good. Congratulations. But right. later that night, we're in this battle royal, which is a bunch of people in the ring at the same time. And The Rock was doing that thing where he spit on his hand and go smack down and send somebody out. And he threw one guy out, threw another guy out, and then he comes to me and he's going to give me the, uh, you know, smack down. But I block it and I start fighting back, and that place come unglued. Like just mm-hmm. every punch I threw, like they were with it. And then he ended up getting rid of me. But you just felt that moment of those people wanted to see more, you know, and that's right. what you. And so when it was over that night, I was like, man, I hope they noticed that. I hope they heard that, you know, back, you know, in production. I hope they heard that reaction. But you don't know. But they did. It right. couldn't help. Yes, yeah, it yeah. That, that's kind of hard to. You beat him, right? Y'all had a match where you beat him? Yeah, that come a couple of weeks later. We had a couple of weeks of backstage promos again because they just kept being funny. The one where I was hiding in the locker and I jumped out and the Scorpion King got a tiny ding-a-ling and he was, <laughs> he was reacting to all of that. And then, yeah, we finally have a match in Cleveland. Um, Cleveland, Ohio is the main event of Raw. It was Rock's last uh, match on Monday Night Raw, actually, was uh, wow. was losing to me. <laughs> it's such a weird <laughs> thing to say because now he's the biggest star on the fucking planet and he's about right. to be like Adam, one of my favorite <laughs> comic characters. So, uh, but he was just, he pushed for all of that. like. You know he had to agree with it, and he also pushed for it. Yeah, he was man. He's as gracious as they come. You know, down to earth, just one. You know, they say don't people that say don't meet your idols. You just haven't met the right one. Right.
0: You know, a right. lot of idols are cooler shit, man. And Rocks. Definitely, cool. man. Cool. Definitely. Uh, that brings me to some questions. So I, I'll I'll fire off a question. and just tell me what you think. So, what was your most memorable match? Fans will say that one. And Mm. I guess I have to say that one because that's the one that gets brought up
1: to me the most. So, you know, defeating The Rock, the last guy to beat The Rock on Monday Night Raw, so that's the one I got to go with. Who was your favorite uh, person to wrestle? Uh, Dude, I got too many. I got too many, you know, 30 years in a game. It's hard to pick one and I got to work some legends. You know, you're talking about Flair. Like, I beat Flair on Monday Night Raw. I'm a little kid from North Carolina, Flair Country. Oh, so that's like wrestling God, man. Yeah, so I pinned Rick Flair on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> uh, I got to work The Undertaker, the one of the coolest of all time, you know. And anytime I work Matt and Jeff, you know, some of my, Matt and Jeff Hardy, my best friends, you know, we were doing it uh, shows in front of less than 10 people. Right. You know? So for us to go and do it on that stage was uh, always special to me, but you know i mean with, i was in the ring with booker t who i considered one of the all-time greats you know and i was
0: just sitting there with so many good people man was, i can't pick just can't one. Pick just one i get it <laughs> who is who is the best talker in the business right now or all forever uh oh let's
1: do one, one right now. now one all one time right now man. Uh, right now, Jericho Jericho and MG, MJF from AEW They're doing their best uh, promos If you want to talk all time You know, you're always going to have Rock, Ric Flair, Hogan You're always going to Austin in that conversation But the guy I put over the most In terms of promo Was Dusty Rhodes And here's why Because he didn't look like he could kick your ass All those other guys did But after True. Dusty's promo You would believe it You know, you know what? He is going to whoop that guy's ass. Mm. You know, and that's what a promo does. A a promo is for promotion, it needs to promote the next show. And when you heard Dusty talk, you would want to go see that. And so many people took from him. And Dusty, there was a couple people Dusty took from as well. But that was a guy, like I said, because he didn't look the part, but then he made you believe like, you know, Steve Austin, he looks like he can kick your ass anyway. So if he cuts a problem and talking about kick your ass, yeah. I already thought you could kick your ass. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, but Dusty, like, because I say he's, he so didn't look the part, but after it was over, you always believed that he could. And then, you know, then he would deliver in the ring as well. But the people in that conversation, it's hard that you're going to have the rock in there. You're going to have flair. You're going to have, and of course, Hulk Hogan, It was he, he always had his kind of standard string what you're going to do? But still, he will get you live, you know? Right. Um, right. Randy Savage, of course. Randy Savage is one of my all time favorites. Uh, as far as the current, like I say, Jericho's still working, MJF. Um, there's not a lot of real promo guys left right now. Right. You know, something that's kind of, it's really missing. Well, especially now because with the COVID era, we don't have the audience to feed yeah. off of. So okay. that's a big interest. But CM Punk, you know, you want to talk about him. Uh, he the Yeah, the pipe bomb was fine, but my actually my, my favorite promo with him was uh him and rock when they were building up to their match. And he stole the line from a movie, I believe, but it was like your arms are too short in the box with God. Like he jacked that line,
0: but it's that promo and his right. delivery of that line was just spot on. And like that's my favorite CM Punk promo. Who are some of your top five wrestlers right now in the business? Uh, right now, I mean, each company has their different, you know,
1: you don't want to exclude any company. But if you're looking at Impact, Eric, their champion right now, Eric Young, is one of my favorites. I think he's fantastic. His run in WWE didn't highlight at all how good he is. And right. WWE, Roman Reigns, is at the top of his game right now. He's, uh, you know, I got him back here somewhere. If you can see him on the Lost Must yeah. friend So um, if you go to. AEW uh, with the guys we got over there. The athleticism of the business has grown so much. You know, it's kind of, you don't know what, you like watching a Kung Fu. You know, it's like watching damn The Matrix. You're like, man, damn, I can't believe what these guys are doing. But you look like a guy, of ricochet in WWE. The Hurt Business are all my friends, you know? So I love watching those guys. It kind of just depends what I'm in the mood for. And that's why I like pro wrestling, you know? Cause right. There's a little something for everybody. You'll see some people, right. they just punch in the face. Some people are going to do 97 backflips. You know, some you're going to get some real technical stuff. So it kind of just depends on what I'm in the mood for. But there's so much good stuff out there right now. Definitely. And the women, the women are damn at an all time level right now. Who's the best female wrestler right now? Uh, I mean, Charlotte Flair is still the one. You got Charlotte Flair. You got Oscar. Sasha Banks is badass. Bailey's on the best run of her career. Uh, those are the highlights from WWE If you go to uh, TNA Diana Purrazzo amazing Jordan Grace is badass um, They have Kylie Rae. Uh If you're down at NXT And, and then A- uh, AEW got Io Shirai uh, Britt Baker's badass, badass uh, Thunder Rose badass And NXT you know, um, Io Shirai Which one is Io Shirai?
0: Io Shirai I thought it was
1: NXT Io Shirai yeah. is NXT That's right The AEW Women's Champion is uh, uh Dakaru Dakaru Yeah, Shida, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but I love you, you Shira, uh, Candice LeRae, uh, Mia Yim is somebody that I've had a hand in training and helping her. And, oh, really? and, you know, keep in mind, like, when I was talking about how stacked the roster was back in uh, back in that day, man, it was mostly men. We had we had the leader, Trish, Molly, there's a handful. Jazz is one of the best women wrestlers of all time. But you yeah. didn't have 30. You didn't have 30 women that could back go.
0: Gold. Right, that could go
1: yeah so yeah. It, that's really been impressive to see over the last 10 years just companies being willing to take the chance hey let the women main event this time let's yeah. see what happens let's, yeah. let's go with it and and some
0: of them have just delivered it's been that's been really cool knocked it out of the park i think yeah. i think uh i think sheeta and thunder thunder rose is probably she's on my radar as one of yeah. the best out um, yeah yeah I she think, she's badass yeah, He is definitely badass. I think I think her and Sheeta need to have a have a nice few. So, um, yeah,
1: you know, Thunderbirds has still got uh contract deals with NWA. So I think uh, I don't know how because um, she's still the NWA Women's Champion. So there's still going to be some restrictions on what all she can do. But if she ever signs
0: exclusively with AEW, that, that could get interesting. Yeah, that can get very interesting, very fast. Now that that leads me into a segue into another part of, of what I actually wanted to talk about. Um, your thoughts on the state of pro wrestling today, May, primarily as it concerns with uh, so, like, what's going on with AEW, right? Mm-hmm. So they had they let they are actually treating, or so it seems from the outside, they're treating the wrestlers like independent contractors and letting them uh do the twitches and go off on if they want to go to new japan
1: depending on uh your stature in the business like any entertainment industry what you can demand from a company kind of depends on what you provide uh for the company and there's certain things that aew um that they're going to be different from wwe i know you mentioned the twitch thing because wwe kind of put out an edict recently like uh, and I had a big conversation About that recently um, And thankfully it didn't get ripped apart Because sometimes when you do When you try to explain both sides One side gets reported right. then, Even though in that thing right. I say listen this is what happens here And I've been that guy I was there right. I've done this But so many interviews just get fu- fucking shredded when you, ass- right. when you sign an exclusive Contract with a company You're exclusive to them and so if you're going out on doing other stuff without their knowledge or without their permission, that can create issues, especially, and i use and the example the most for me where it's the biggest issue is for people that are heels if, because wrestling right. is so unique in this aspect. This is the one aspect that's most unique about wrestling compared to any other form of entertainment, especially a ticket driven uh, industry We're right. the only form that one of our goals is to go out there and actively piss off the audience. <laughs> Nobody That's else has true. to do that. True. No concerts true. are trying to piss you off. No comedians are trying to piss you off. Nobody's trying to piss you off. Wrestling, we want to piss you off so bad. We Certain characters want to make you so mad that you want to kick our ass, but you can't, so you're going to pay money to see somebody else kick our ass. Right. No other yeah. industry does that, you know? Mm. So if you're trying to create these heel characters on television, uh, I don't know how old school you are, but Abdullah the Butcher. Abdullah the Butcher was oh, a yeah. terror. Right. People were legit afraid
0: of him. you have any idea how sweet he was as a human being? Right. But you couldn't let you couldn't yeah. let people see that. So yeah. so if you and, let them and, see and that, rest that, that was healing. Right. In wrestler's terms, it's kayfabe. Yeah. Right? So yeah. does that does that hurt? And this is primarily the social media presence. Does that hurt the kayfabe? Yeah, well, kayfabe kind of like
1: wrestling has kind of let it let go of the fight against kayfabe. Like nobody really fights anymore. That hey, this is a show. Everybody accepts that this is a show. Right. You know, we know who's going to win these matches. All right. We might go out there and beat the shit out of each other. It's predetermined. Definitely not fake. If it's fake, nobody would get hurt. That's a stupid word that we all most of us get annoyed by because it's. The word fake is never used as a compliment. It's always used right. to condescend and to, to make something seem lesser than, Right. you know? Um, but we go out there and we do all these things. Our fans, pro wrestling fans, they want to believe that we're who we are, you know? And I use this example, like whenever I see, whenever I see Will Smith, you know, and he's had a lot of great performances. He was Ali. Even though he was the Fresh Prince as a rapper, you think of all the movies he's in, you never think about those. If you see him, you see Will Smith.
0: You right, know, if you see
1: right. uh Jamie Foxx or Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise or whoever these actors are, this performance, you see the actor. You never really think about their character. Pro wrestling is you see when you see me, you see The Hurricane. When you see Steve Austin, that's not his real name, but people still see Steve Austin. His right. name Steve Williams. Nobody right. sees Steve, nobody gives a fuck about Steve Williams. That was something uh <laughs> Hulk Hogan told me a long time ago, you know, because I was we were going to do an autograph session together, and I didn't have the mask. And he's like, "Where's the gimmick, brother?" Because he was in the bandana, he's got the mustache, the old dyed blonde, he's ready to go. And I was like, "Ah, sometimes I kind of just do them as myself." And he just looks at me. He goes, "Nobody cares about Chris Kringle." Mm. He goes, and nobody <laughs> cares about Terry Bollea either. And Terry <laughs> Bollea is his real name. He goes, I "Right care about the Hulk." And I go, "Damn!" And this one of those things like. I'm going to have to listen because it's Hulk yeah. Hogan anyway. Yeah, it's it's like, I'm going to be respectful because it's Hulk Hogan. I'm going to do it. But he was 1000% right. I was like, damn it, that motherfucker's right. And so <laughs> I do, you know, unless, unless there's been a hitch in the giddy up, I always do my appearances in the mask because people want the hurricane. Right. And that's just how we different. So but circling back, if you're supposed to be this good guy that people love, and then you're on social media being an asshole, well, that's counterproductive to the product we're trying to put out. Right. And if I'm Vince McMahon and I'm paying you half a million dollars, especially in this COVID era, half a million dollars a year to be a good guy, and you out there being an asshole, which is counterproductive to my problem, my product, I'm gonna have a problem with that. Mm. So I see that. You know, I see. Right. Because there's one, I ain't going to say no names, but there's one of their biggest heels. And he's all the time putting up these videos of him barbecuing and shit like that. And I'm like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like,
1: why do, like when I was a heel, I wouldn't put up no shit like that. I would tell people, right. man, fuck up. You know what? I played right. that character. And and so like Titus O'Neil is one of my perfect examples. Because Titus was a heel. Well, then Titus does, this dude's a humanitarian. This right, he, he does, does amazing up. work in the community. He doesn't, and I'm not in a million years, am I going to tell him not to do that amazing work? But right. once word gets out, I'm never going to boo him ever again. It killed any chance he had of being a heel on that show because nobody's going nice. to boo him now. I ain't going right. to boo him. Right, he's such and a he, nice guy, dude. He is a, an incredible human being. I'm not going to boo that guy, right?
0: So that's but how really you, Titus O'Neill's story, yeah, like you don't boo that guy. Yeah, you can't boo this guy. Like, no. If you really knew his story, you, there's no way you could boo him.
1: And he's an extreme example because I'm not going to tell him not to do that. His work outside of the WWE is of much greater importance than his work right. in the WWE. So he's an extreme example. It's just a, And there's never been anything like this to compare it to. Nobody in the 30s and 40s had social media. You know, Gorgeous George was Gorgeous George. You right. know, whoever was whoever. Now it's different and We just kind of had to, having to navigate this waters. It's just, it's not as black and white as it used to be.
0: Right, there's a gray area. Someone close to me told me that you can actually rap. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, A long time ago.
1: That's something that takes practice as well. If you get out of the, uh, if you get out of the practice, it doesn't come as easy.
0: (laughs) So who's your favorite, who's your favorite hip hop act? Of all time or currently? I love that current. It gets it gets today's no
1: It's great. I just had this conversation. I was just on MC a uh, podcast uh, a couple months back. You know, and third base was real big because yeah, I grew up loving hip hop, but there wasn't a lot of guys like me that could do it. Not do it good right. anyway. You know, right? You would see a lot of bullshit, but uh, <laughs> all time, uh, my favorite. Cool G Rap is up there, you know. I got I got Road to the Riches might be my favorite pure rap song of all time, just because of the rhyme scheme. How he stuck true to that rhyme scheme throughout that whole song, and that's a long song. I mean, lyrically, you got to throw Eminem in there. Uh, anybody that leaves him out is just trying to be edgy. <laughs> you can't, yeah, you can't <laughs> leave him out. Um, EPMD, I was a massive EPMD guy. Uh, of course dmc my very first i remember my first uh, hip-hop artist i heard was utfo and it was a uh, leader of the pack with the song i remember i remember that that's the song that changed me i was like that's my shit right there you know that goes back to early when i said sometimes you'll hear a song and you remember where you were when you first i know i was when i heard that song and i was seven eight years old however, however it was when i discovered hip-hop you know um you know, and I've, I've been lucky enough to, to, me, to meet a lot of these guys. I was just in the airport in Raleigh, Durham, and this was last year because it just popped up in my memory gimmicks. And I look over there, and Big Daddy Kane is standing there. And I oh, go, down. Oh, yeah, I had to go <laughs> up to him. I'm sitting there going, I said, you know, Hey, I don't want to bother I, I know how it is. Sometimes you don't want to be bothered, but he looked like he was in a good mood. He had a grin. Yeah. So I go over there and say, Hey, I don't want to bother you. I said, But you're, you're Big Daddy Kane, correct? And he's like, Yeah, I said, Hey, man, just said, I still know the words, there ain't no half-stepping, man. I'm not going to do it, but I know the words. He popped it. And, and uh, we got on the airplane together. And then, like, somebody came and asked me for my autograph. Because I don't just go up and, hey, I'm the hurricane. I don't do right. that shit. You know? Yeah. So But then it was like, well, what do you do? And I said, like, I'm, I'm a professional wrestler. Oh, yeah. And so a lot of, a lot of hip-hop artists are big uh, in the pro wrestling, too. Buster yeah. Rams. Buster came to a show in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And he was joked too. That, was, that kind of surprised me. He's bigger than uh, than I thought he was going to be. And, uh, and I was like, "Hey, man!" So I was, you know, and I saw uh, him in Raleigh at and, uh, and so he was on the undercard. Um, Tribe was the main event, but then he came out at the end with Tribe and get scenario.
0: Oh wow!
1: i can place with new banners.
0: Yeah, Hell yeah
1: place with bananas and like it's one of my favorite, like I got goosebumps thinking about it. It's one of my favorite co- uh, concert experiences. So I was sitting there kind of telling that story and I was like, yeah, man. Uh, so you can kind of take a picture with you? He goes, yeah, let's do your pose. So he knew my shit, and I was like, <laughs> but even better, I'll give you one, I'll give you another big one for that. In that regard, I saw LL in the Atlanta airport. Mm. He's, got a, he's got his entourage with him and I was Sugar Shane at this time. I was WC, I wasn't even, I was still in three count i hadn't i hadn't broke off yet i was still in three count and i've heard all of ll's stuff every now and then there would be a wrestler reference in there you know not a lot but he would sneak one in Yep. i went up to him and i said hey i said i worked with wcw that's all i said i worked with wcw i said uh if you ever want to come to a show you know i'm sure they would love to have you there man i said i'm a big fan and i asked him i'd asked him for his autograph i got that shit. i got two autographs (laughs) can't hip-hop artists i got ll and tupac still got them to this oh
0: man
1: but so with uh, yeah. ll when ll i said man if you ever want to come to a show you know i know they would take care of you and you know that'd be cool and he goes wait a minute he goes you a wrestler and i go yeah and he goes three count and he threw up the fingers and i go yeah <laughs> like my head full up my like, i can't believe
0: ll knows who i am <laughs> you know so that was cool as shit yeah man it's a um the, the i say this a lot but the the rap and wrestling relationship is mm-hmm. so close-knit um even now one of the biggest hip-hop artists out right now is uh benny the butcher which benny the butcher uh yeah benny the butcher well everybody at Griselda, they have uh like wrestling references so like mm-hmm. benny the butcher and uh conway are known as the butcher and the blade like the tag team okay. from AEW. Okay. And, um, Conway and Westside Gun are known as Hall and Nash, so even today those those references come out and they they play they play a lot of uh, into the the way wrestling influences hip hop still to this day. So oh, that's cool. Man. Yeah, it's it's pretty dope. It's pretty dope. Um, the compare the comparison between the two. Is, is unparalleled, man. Even the rise. So, like the underground is kind of like your indies. Um, yeah. Well, all music is like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all music wrestling is, like
1: is that. very similar to the music industry because you're going to yeah. play those dive bars and some of the best bands you've ever heard are not going to make it. Yep. That's just how entertainment is. But you can go yep. sometimes to these dive bars and maybe it's just because you had the right amount of elixir. Who knows what happened? <laughs> but that's going to be the best music you've ever heard in your life.
0: Right, it'll be. Right. It
1: doesn't have to necessarily be with twenty thousand other people, for sure. Right. Have you heard of I a SAR? Have you heard of Sarface? Sarface? No, I haven't. Yeah. Uh, I'll send you a link to one of his songs, man. He's got some good shit with a bunch of. Uh,
0: yes, man. He's got
1: a uh, a clip of Animal, one of a uh, no uh, Road Warrior Hogs promos
0: in there. It's pretty cool. Oh man, I bet that shit is funny because they used yeah. to cut some. They used to cut some awesome promos. <laughs> I bet it's funny. Yeah, send me the link. I'll definitely listen to it, man. But that's all I got, man. I want to thank you for um Ma'am, for lending pleasure, me your man. time, man. Yeah. This was uh this was dope, man. Really, really dope. Thank you for lending me your time. Thank you for uh, walking the memory lane with me. This is Shane Helms. Thank y'all for tuning in today. And you guys have a great day.